0: As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com/slash metaverse impact.
2: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Mark Moss show, where of course we're always talking about the decentralized revolution. Talking about, of course, the way the world is changing through the lens of politics finance and technology. Of course, that technology is Bitcoin. It's changing the world. But we like to look at all three of those disciplines, politics, finance and technology, because those are the driving forces of the world. And rather than looking at each one of them in a silo by itself. We look at all three of them, where they converge so we can have a better context to what is going on in the world today. And of course, in those three realms, in those three disciplines, there is no shortage of information happening. We are moving at a breakneck speed. So it gives me a lot of stuff to talk about. And today we have a big show coming up for you because it has been massive fireworks going on in the political and the financial space. Well, yeah, and even the technological space, in a sense, where we've been talking about really since last year. And I told you that the, that the, uh, the crackdown on the cryptocurrency space was going to be coming full-scale assault. And it has. I told you that Gary Gensler and the SEC had egg on his face and he was coming hard for crypto and he has. And as bad as things have gotten, all of a sudden things are turning around. This is big, big news. So we're going to talk about this anti-crypto conspiracy that's been happening. How all that got set up, what's been happening what the historical parallels are. We're going to go all the way back to the 1800s and pull some historical parallels forward so you can understand that. We're going to talk about this new institutional adoption that's happening, who's getting involved, who the Federal Reserve is partnering with on this. Um, we're going to talk about you know the institutional backlash. We're going to talk about these different institutions, what's happening there. And then, of course, we're going to talk about what you need to be watching and paying attention to, and more specifically, how you can be playing this to take advantage of this as this all unfolds it's a big show I got a lot to cover it's exciting stuff so I'm want to go ahead and just jump right in now like I said talking about this anti crypto conspiracy now I've been talking about this a lot. As a matter of fact, you know, last year, obviously, we covered the entire cryptocurrency market collapse, starting with Terra Luna crashing, which then led to this domino effect of Therese Capital and then Celsius. Uh, FTX and Binance started duking it out. It looked like FTX would be the last one standing, and then FTX collapsed. Uh, Sam Bankman-Fried, who is, you know, pending charges, he, you know, defrauded about $60 billion worth of money. No big deal. Looking like he potentially could get out of a bunch of these uh, felony counts, maybe get a slap on the wrist. And I guess that's what you get for, you know, being the Democratic Party's largest um <laughs> largest donor, $40 million to the Democratic Party. But that's another story for another time. But what I said after that, and I, I didn't make any friends from doing this, and I wasn't trying to stir up controversy, nor was I trying to uh, make anyone angry, although I certainly did. But I went and I said, look, you, if you understand how the cryptocurrency space works, then you'll understand why this is going to change things and why, as I stated back then, we will not see another cryptocurrency bull run. Now, I said cryptocurrency as a category, and I'm saying cryptocurrency, not Bitcoin. I'm using Bitcoin and cryptocurrency different. Now, why did I say that? Well, I don't want to go all the way back through that. You can go back and listen to those um those shows on the podcast so just search mark moss show on your favorite podcast player or you can go onto the youtube channel and search market disruptors on my market disruptors youtube channel you can find those on there but basically what i was saying is that you know uh the sec is is looks very bad it looks very very bad and they were going to come full guns blazing and start cracking down on this and shutting it down and certainly that's what's happened now as i said not another bull run and the reason why i said that is because if you go back to like 2017. That was kind of the real first really, really, really big cryptocurrency as a category bull run. It's when I started making content uh, regarding this subject as well. Bitcoin went from $1,000 to $20,000 in that year of 2017. Ethereum, I don't remember the exact dates, went from somewhere like $5 or $10 up to, I don't even remember, seven, dollars $800 at the time. It was, it was a crazy time. But then something happened. In December of 2017, there was a choke point. All of a sudden, in unison, the banks shut down access to get into cryptocurrency. The social media platforms shut down all advertising of cryptocurrency. And just like that, a ground to a halt, the entire market collapsed. Now, at that time, back in 2017, early 2018, we were talking about how the Wall Street institutions were not happy that... They got left out of this. So typically when you go back through technology booms, look at the, the dot-com boom in the two, early 2000s, late 90s, um, it's the institutions, it's, it's Silicon Valley, it's Wall Street that gets into these deals first. They get first crack, venture capital deals, and then eventually when it goes public, you and I, the retail public can get in. And we typically get dumped on. They got in early, made the money, they dump on us, we lose money. That's how it works. But in this cryptocurrency boom, it was the people, It was the retail people that got the money and all the institutions were left out. So at the time back there, 2017, 2018, I started talking about how they weren't happy about this. Wall Street wanted to get in and they wanted to kind of shut this down while they had time to get back in. Well, it takes Wall Street institutions a lot of time to get back in. And I think there's a, a, a very interesting parallel. So let me tell you a story about this. So on, on HBO, there's a series called Deadwood. And now Deadwood is uh, it's a fictional story about real events, right? About the, about the gold rush, California gold rush. So during the Dakota gold rush, it was the regular people who got in really, really early in that gold rush um, run. And they're the ones that made the fortune. It wasn't the, the mining magnets. It wasn't the industrialists. And that was sort of like today or at this time that the crypto investors, they got in, they were savvy speculators, right? But it wasn't the, the magnets. It wasn't the industrialists that got in. Now in this fictionalized version of Deadwood, though, there was a wealthy miner, his name is George Hearst. He was the father of publishing magnate, William Randolph Hearst. And he swindled all of these, you know, retail savvy speculators out of their mining shares. Now, It's not too far from the truth. According to the rumors at that time, Hearst used intimidation, misinformation, and violence to actually force people to sell their claims. He even purchased newspapers in the town to influence the public opinion. Now, If you recognize the strategy that Hearst used, does it sound sort of similar to how social media companies worked in unison to ban all talk and all advertising of cryptocurrencies and the banks also banned your ability to even move money in and out of these cryptocurrency exchanges? Sounds sort of similar, right? Now, in that bid to buy in really, really cheap, Hearst agents started to float rumors that the government would seize all the land in the town. And so prospectors believed the rumors and they sold their mining shares for pennies to Hearst agents. Now the conspiracy worked, right? Hearst and his partners, they bought the biggest mine in the region. It was called Homestake for a basement, a bargain price of only $70,000. It'd be worth about 1.7 million in today's dollars. And Homestake would become the richest gold mine in U.S. history from 1879 to 2002. The mine produced 44 million ounces of gold and 9 million ounces of silver. At today's prices, that's a combined $86.2 billion in precious metals that they paid $1.74. And here's why I'm telling you this. Because... <laughs> Now we are seeing the same thing. Gary Gensler's crypto reign of terror. Here he comes. Charges against Binance, charges against Coinbase, the two largest cryptocurrency exchanges in the world. Um, you know, Saying that all these um, altcoins are securities, forcing popular trading platforms like Robinhood to delist them. And these tokens are plunging on the news. Are they clearing the deck? Hmm. If you're just tuning in right now, you are listening to The Mark Moss Show. Of course, we're always talking about the decentralized revolution. We're talking about cryptocurrencies, and we're talking about so much more. i got to take a quick break. I'm going to be right back with more, so don't go away. I'll be right back.
0: BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the gulf of mexico it's and not or see what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com investing in america it's that time of year again
2: the U.S. Mint is making the new 2024 American Silver Eagle and American Gold Eagle coins, and there's no better time to buy than now. Gold rose 23% in the past 13 months, and silver's up 27%. Plus, they're both still climbing. Get the newest gold and silver coins of the year from my trusted friends at Universal Coin and Bullion by calling 1-800-UCB-GOLD. Their company president, Dr. Mike Fulgens, is America's gold expert, and he recently met with financial guru Steve Forbes to discuss trends in precious metals. And both experts agree that gold could hit 2,500 an ounce in 2024. That's nearly a 25% gain from today's price per ounce. If you want to make a sound money investment, then add gold and silver to your portfolio now and keep adding as part of your regular investment strategy. Gold's been used as money for over 2,500 years. Call Universal Coin and Bullion at 1-800-UCB-GOLD. That's 1-800-UCB-GOLD. Or check out universalcoin.com
1: That's linkedin.com slash customer terms and conditions apply.
2: All right. Welcome back. If you're just tuning in, you are listening to the Mark Moss show. We're talking about, of course, the decentralized revolution. I'm breaking down right now. Um, what is going on with this entire anti-crypto crackdown, as I've been calling it, but more importantly, the turn of events that just happened that is blowing things wide open. And uh, yeah, I'm taking a little parade lap, maybe giving myself a little pat on the back because I think I pretty much nailed this one by, again, if you, if you just tuned in, you've kind of missed, but you know, I'm talking about how I, after the fall of FTX, the largest cryptocurrency exchange in the United States, late last year, I predicted that that cryptocurrency as a category would not see another bull run, but Bitcoin, I said, would do very well. Now I'm, I'm getting into that right now. And I was talking about um, this historical parallel kind of of the gold rush days of how um, large investors cleared the deck to allow the big boys to come in and, and uh, get their share. And that's exactly what it seems like we're starting to see. So um, Gary Ginsler the 2023 crypto reign of terror, going after Binance, going after Coinbase, labeling altcoins as securities, forcing exchanges to delist them, Robinhood to delist them, all these things. Everything I said would happen has happened. These coins have plummeted in value because everyone's trying to get rid of them and there's no buy side liquidity. Now, I did say that I think it would be good for Bitcoin. We're going to come back to that in a second. But here we have... The largest, not one of the largest, but the largest asset manager in the world. We're talking about the behemoth of behemoths. And if you don't know who I'm talking about, I'm talking about BlackRock. Now, they're not a company I typically talk favorably of. I call them the evil empire. They're the largest company asset manager in the world, over $10 trillion in AUM, as they call it, assets under management. And with that $10 trillion of assets under management, they are the largest asset manager in the world. And they own a majority of almost every publicly traded company out there. If you look at almost any publicly traded company out there, you're going to find that there's they're owned by one of three companies, mostly BlackRock, and then State Street, and then Vanguard. And so they own almost every company. Now, I do want to say that where did they get this money? Where do they get this $10 trillion? This is a very important piece. We're going to come back to this at the end, but it's your money. If you have a pension, if you have a 401k, a mutual fund, there's a good chance it's one of those three companies, BlackRock, Vanguard, or State Street. I was explaining this to one of my fireman buddies uh, last week, and he's like, oh yeah, our funds with Vanguard, right? And so it's with one of those. But the thing is, is like, how do they use that money? Well, they use it against you they use it against your better interest. And as a matter of fact, they have now taken this position as activist investors. Like for example, BlackRock took over control and interest of Exxon um, and made them divest from their oil fields, which is kind of weird because Exxon is an oil company. Now, wouldn't that hurt their profits? You might ask. And the answer is yes, it would hurt their profits. It did hurt their profits, but they don't care. It's not their money. Their ideology over everything, which is why you see Bud Light doing, you know, what they're doing and you see Target doing what they're doing and you see North Face and all these companies following suit because they don't care about the money because it's not their money. And that's a whole other topic for a whole other day. I've covered that in extent, um, in, in great detail on other shows, but BlackRock is the behemoth of the behemoth. They are so big as a matter of fact, that they're basically the partner of the Federal Reserve. Yes, of the Federal Reserve. As a matter of fact, if we go back to 2020, when the Fed was trying to bail out you know, Wall Street as the entire world shut down through the pandemic, the Fed had to inject money into the market that it wasn't legally able to do. And so it partnered with BlackRock to purchase bonds on behalf of the Fed, All right. So they are partners with the Fed. Uh, They have been working with the Fed now through this banking crisis um, to help the Fed figure out and and the Treasury how to get money back into the banking system. Uh, They're helping out with Ukraine, kind of leading the charge on getting money into Ukraine. So they are partners with the Federal Reserve. They're partners with the government. They are, again, the behemoth of the behemoth. Now, I want to just uh, state that real quickly because I want you to understand the depth of this. Now, going back to this, we saw that in 2017, the CEO of BlackRock, Larry Fink, called Bitcoin quote, an index of money laundering. That's in 2017. Now, we've seen Warren Buffett and his partner, Charlie Munger, uh, many times go on, call it rat poison, um, rat poison squared, um, you know, all these things um, we saw. Um, Jamie Dimon from you know uh, J.P. Morgan Chase said that he would fire anybody in his company that was trading it. I mean, these were some bold, bold words. Now, I don't hold it against him because uh, everybody was a skeptic at one point. But here we have uh, Larry Fink, the BlackRock CEO, um, arguably the most. I mean, I say arguably. Him and Jamie Dimon might argue about it. I might. Uh, might tip my hat to uh, Larry Fink uh, of the, the most influential financial people in the world and money makes the world go round. You know, uh, as, as mayor Rothschild famously said several hundred years ago, give me control over the nation's money. I care not who makes the laws. And so that's kind of where they're at. So these institutions, these wall street institutions were left out. It was retail that got in the game <laughs> The retail people made all the money in the crypto boom up to 2017. They closed off the exits through the banking. They shut off the social media and the markets crashed back down 2018, 2019. The markets rallied up again, but the institutions weren't ready to come back in again. As I said earlier, it takes years for them to get into position. It takes years to get all their, you know, regulations in place and things like that. It takes millions or, you know, billions of dollars for them to build out the products and things like that for them to come in. And so they weren't ready. Next thing you know, Bitcoin's running again. The cryptocurrency market's running again. Bitcoin runs up to almost $69,000. But wait, wait, wait. We're not ready. We're not ready. We We don't have our products up and running yet. We've been taking too long. So going back to the old playbook that was ran in the gold rush days, as I kind of explained the story of Deadwood, going back to the playbook that was ran in 2017 and 2018, what do we do? Well, how about if we just uh, make everybody think that the entire space is going to zero, just like in the gold rush days, they made them think that the land was all going to be worthless and was going to be taken over by the government. It was all going to be worthless. And so um, everybody starts selling. And guess what happens? Well, if you're guessing that uh, maybe the old bait and switch, maybe BlackRock and institutional adoption might be coming in, then you would be right. And that is exactly what's happening. BlackRock, the behemoth of the behemoth, is back in the game or not back in the game. They are in the game and they are bringing the big heavy hitters with them. I want to tell you about their track record. I want to tell you about what they're doing. I want to tell you about exactly what this is doing to the market already and what you should be expecting this from, from this moving forward. Now, if you're just tuning in right now, Of course, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show, breaking down the latest breaking news on the world of finance, politics, and technology. We're talking about this Bitcoin ETF from BlackRock. I'm going to break all this down for you, tell you what you should be doing, what you should be watching. I'll be back with more on that in a minute. Don't go away. We'll be right back.
0: BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer... Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.
2: It's that time of year again. The U.S. Mint is making the new 2024 American Silver Eagle and American Gold Eagle coins, and there's no better time to buy than now. Gold rose 23% in the past 13 months and silver's up 27%. Plus, they're both still climbing. Get the newest gold and silver coins of the year from my trusted friends at Universal Coin and Bullion by calling 1-800-UCB-GOLD. Their company president, Dr. Mike Fulgens, is America's gold expert, and he recently met with financial guru Steve Forbes to discuss trends in precious metals. And both experts agree that gold could hit 2,500 an ounce in 2024. That's nearly a 25% gain from today's price per ounce if you want to make a sound money investment then add gold and silver to your portfolio now and keep adding as part of your regular investment strategy gold's been used as money for over 2500 years call universal coin and bullion at 1-800-UCB-GOLD that's 1-800-UCB-GOLD or check out universalcoin.com
1: mark moss as a person with a very deep voice i'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns
2: All right, welcome back. If you are just tuning in, you are listening to The Mark Moss Show. Of course, we're talking about the decentralized revolution. We're talking about the way the world is changing um, through over the through right before our very eyes. As I always like to say, the world that we're going into is not the world that we're leaving behind. And things are moving fast. But as much as things change, they happen to stay the same. And so this playbook that we're seeing, like I said, is right out of the 1800s um, from the gold rush days. And we're watching it being played again in real time. Now, um, the big news, again, is... Um, BlackRock. BlackRock is coming into the game. The behemoth of behemoths, the largest asset manager in the world, $10 trillion of of money. And they um, now last year, they launched a private trust offering their institutional US clients direct exposure to Bitcoin. All right. Now, a lot of people, uh, probably the number one um, objection to Bitcoin that I would hear typically from anybody that doesn't um, own it or doesn't like it is, won't they just make it illegal? Well, first off, who are they? <laughs> uh, and would they make it illegal? And, and typically, you know, there's a lot of ways that we could kind of counter that uh, that argument. And, of course, none of us know the history. Or, I'm sorry, none of us know the future. Anything could happen. So could it be illegal? Sure. But what's the most probable solution? What's the most probable outcome? And what I would typically say is that um, I don't think that they'll make Bitcoin illegal for a number of reasons. Uh, and, and namely, because There's uh, too much entrenchment within the government. We have over 25, 30 high-ranking lawmakers in the government now that are Bitcoiners, that own Bitcoin, that like Bitcoin, that are pro-Bitcoin. We have... Now, I guess with uh, Mayor Francis Suarez throwing his hat in the ring, we have four candidates running for president on a Bitcoin platform, four presidential candidates running on a Bitcoin platform, over 30 high-ranking government officials that are pro-Bitcoin. But then what I would also say, well, then we have about 25, 30 million Americans that own Bitcoin. Um, they're not going to like that. But then what I also say is that the financial system, and so, you know, the Black Rocks, the Gold, Goldman Sachs, uh, the JP Morgan, the Fidelities of the world have been trying to get into, they've been working on getting into the Bitcoin space for many years. They have been working with their regulators. They've been working with their tech teams. They've spent collectively, I'm guessing, Billions and billions of dollars to build out their ability to get into Bitcoin services. They want to make the money. Of course they do. They want the money. And so last year, BlackRock launched a private trust um, offering institutional U.S. clients direct exposure to Bitcoin. Uh, Fidelity digital assets platform allows U.S. clients to buy, store and sell digital assets like Bitcoin. If the biggest players like BlackRock and Larry Fink, if they've spent this time, if they've spent this money to get into Bitcoin, you think they're just going to let the government make it illegal? They're just going to lose all that money, all that time, effort, money they've spent, all the potential future money they could make. They're just going to let that go away. Well, you maybe don't understand the way the law actually works. So. You see, we have these lawmakers in Washington, the legislators, but they don't actually write laws. They don't actually create them. What they typically do is they sponsor a bill. But who writes the bill? The lobbyists write the bill. Then the legislators sponsor the bill and try to push the bill through. And then maybe maybe it gets through. Now, who are the lobbyists? There's lots of special interest groups, obviously, at lobby. But the financial Institutions, the financial special interest groups are probably some of the biggest. Probably the pharmaceutical companies are the biggest. But if it's the special interest groups writing the bills and creating the laws, (laughs) why would they write laws to shut their own business down? And the answer is, of course, they wouldn't. So, anyway, those are typically my um, reasons as to why they wouldn't make it illegal. And so here we have it. You know, like I said last year, BlackRock already got in, Fidelity already got in. While we're seeing Gary Gensler's reign of terror, the, you know, shutting down the cryptocurrency industry, you know, going after Coinbase, going after Binance, there hasn't been any regulatory action against BlackRock or Fidelity. One thing, again, as I started out talking about, look, we're, we're talking about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency as two different things. When we say Bitcoin, we're just saying Bitcoin only. And then when we talk about crypto, we're talking about everything other than Bitcoin, and the reason why we say that is for a number of reasons. But Bitcoin is is very different than the other whatever there is. I don't know twenty five thousand cryptocurrencies that are out there. Bitcoin is a commodity. Um, the definition of a commodity would be something that is um, typically brought from the ground in a decentralized manner. So whether I grow corn or dig for oil or dig for gold in the U.S. or Africa or Canada. Corn is corn, oil is oil, wheat is wheat. Um, Anybody that can buy land can get the oil, can get the corn, can get the gold, and it's all fungible. And so Bitcoin is the same thing. Anybody can buy a computer, get get Bitcoin. There's no central issuer. So nobody, there's no, no central issuer that gives me the corn or the oil, I have to dig for it. But with all the cryptocurrencies, they all were created by a central issuer. So like Ethereum, about 70% of the tokens were in a pre-mine. So when they created Ethereum, they created the tokens and gave them out. Um, Anyway, I don't want to go super deep into all that right now. But we do know that the head of the SEC, now Gary Gensler, the previous head of the SEC before him, Jay Clayton, both said that Bitcoin is a commodity. Nothing else. And so we've been very clear to say, look, and this is why I said back last year that cryptocurrency as a category won't see another bull run, but I think it will be very good for Bitcoin. And that's what we have. The cryptocurrencies are getting absolutely smashed, getting sold down while Bitcoin is taking off to new all-time highs off of this news. And as these crypto casinos like Coinbase, like Binance are getting shut down, as I said, Fidelity, BlackRock has had no regulatory action against them. Now, recently, BlackRock and Fidelity filed for Bitcoin ETF. All right, now, an ETF... Is, you know, exchange traded fund, it's a way that you can easily buy into a basket of stocks, you can buy into a basket of commodities, things like that. It's a way to it, it, it's a very easy way to get um, diversified access to a to an asset class, or, or buy something that it's not easy to custody like oil, for example. Um, BlackRock didn't, it's not technically an ETF. It's actually technically a trust, but it functions like an ETF. So basically when you buy the ETF, they buy physical Bitcoin. There has not been a physical Bitcoin fund approved by the SEC. They've just shot them down over and over and over. We've seen uh, Grayscale get rejected. WisdomTree been rejected. Van X been rejected. ARK21 shares, Bitwise been rejected. Everyone's been rejected. But will BlackRock get rejected? BlackRock, who is like an extension of the Fed and the government, do you think they're going to get rejected? BlackRock has a pretty good track record. As a matter of fact, they have successfully launched 575 ETFs and one has failed. That's a pretty good record, 575 to one. So with Bitcoin's market cap at around 504 billion-ish, that's like a drop in the ocean compared to the total estimated global wealth of about 463 trillion, (laughs) 463 trillion. If just 5% of that were to flow into Bitcoin, it'll go up 47 times, which is why BlackRock and Fidelity, they're creating these crypto custody solutions for their clients because they want a slice of the pie. And just like the story I told of the gold rush, just like Hearst, They'll use intimidation. They'll use misinformation to force smaller crypto players out of the game. They want you to think that it's all being shut down. And I'm going to be honest, you know, um, even though I've, uh, I've been very clear about why I think it wouldn't get um, Bitcoin wouldn't be made illegal in the United States. Again, I don't know the future. Like I, I, I come up with things based off of, you know, understanding the information that I have available to me, but I don't know the future as aggressive they are getting and super aggressive, the Biden administration specifically is very anti-technology and especially with the passing of something like the restrict act um, make starts to make me think, man, the United States could get very, very crazy and ban this, but now watching what's happening here makes the chance of that happening very, very low. Now, if you just tune in, you are listening to the Mark Moss show. We're talking about the big, 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 big news in the Bitcoin cryptocurrency space. Now, I got more to cover. I wanna tell you what you need to be watching and how you can play this. I'm gonna cover that when I come back. I'm gonna take a quick break. I'll be right back. Don't go away.
0: BP added more than $70 billion to the US economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.
2: It's that time of year again. The U.S. Mint is making the new 2024 American Silver Eagle and American Gold Eagle coins, and there's no better time to buy than now. Gold rose 23% in the past 13 months and silver's up 27%. Plus, they're both still climbing. Get the newest gold and silver coins of the year from my trusted friends at Universal Coin and Bullion by calling 1-800-UCB-GOLD. Their company president, Dr. Mike Fulgens, is America's gold expert, and he recently met with financial guru Steve Forbes to discuss trends in precious metals. And both experts agree that gold could hit 2,500 an ounce in 2024. That's nearly a 25% gain from today's price per ounce if you want to make a sound money investment then add gold and silver to your portfolio now and keep adding as part of your regular investment strategy gold's been used as money for over 2500 years call universal coin and bullion at 1-800-UCB-GOLD that's 1-800-UCB-GOLD or check out universalcoin.com slash mark moss All right, welcome back. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Ma Show. We're talking about what's been going on in the cryptocurrency and the Bitcoin space, specifically with, as I called it, Gary Gensler's reign of terror coming hard against the cryptocurrency space. And uh, kind of taking a little bit of a parade lap, tapping myself on the back because I told you so. <laughs> I called it. I told you last year that I said that cryptocurrency ad as a category wouldn't see another bull run because they were going to come after it so hard and heavy. But I said that's cryptocurrency as a category. I said that Bitcoin would do very well. And here we have it. Just as it looked like cryptocurrency was going to be dead in the water um, and Bitcoin would be dead in the water. We are seeing the bait and switch, and I kind of use the the reference uh, the historical reference to the gold rush days uh when uh, uh news magnet uh hearst kind of basically Uh, I don't know, used misinformation, used persuasion, used uh, threats (laughs) um, to get people to sell their land for pennies on the dollar um, while he made billions and billions of dollars. And that seems to be sort of like what has happened Um, while we had, you know, BlackRock, Larry Fink, while we had Jamie Dimon from Jamie Morgan Chase and Warren Buffett, while we had all them talking really, really, really bad about Bitcoin, while we had Gary Gensler and the SEC talking, making it really, really scary for Bitcoin and cryptocurrency advocates. They just weren't ready to get in. (laughs) And now they are. And now they're here. And now they're taking over. And we can see now that um, just since this has been announced, uh, Bitcoin has been shooting up to the moon. As a matter of fact, it is up big. We are up to, where are we at here? At the time of this, 30,000. We are up in just since the news broke Where are we at? That's uh, a cool 23%. (laughs) 23% just since the news broke. No big deal. Actually, it's a really big deal. If we go back to, where are we at? January. If we go back just to the start of this year, Bitcoin is now up a cool 90%. That means you would have almost doubled your money. Pretty much doubled your money if you would have bought it at the beginning of the year. No other asset class has done this. Bitcoin's been averaging a two hundred percent compounded annual growth rate since its inception. Now that average is that. Sometimes it exceeds it. Sometimes it goes under that. Uh, We're up a hundred percent this year as the Fed has been going on the hardest and most aggressive rate hiking cycle that we've seen in history. Everybody says, "Oh, we don't know how Bitcoin will do in a bear market." Well we're certainly finding out. Now what do we do with all this news that we have now? Okay? What do we do? That's the key question that you should be asking yourself. So like I said, we've seen this movie before, okay? In 2021, Bitcoin reached an all-time high of nearly $70,000, right? Then Gary Gensler, you know, started his reign of terror, and since then it plunged all the way down to just below 16,000 about 158. Now, I know a lot of you have been watching these guys on YouTube that tell you that it's going to drop down to 13,000 or 12,000. And so you're going to wait. You're going to wait until it gets to 13,000. Well, now it's up to 30. So you never got your chance at 13. And now the questions I'm getting are, Mark, well, now it's up to 30. Should I buy now or should I wait? Is it going to come back down? The answer is nobody knows. Nobody knows the future. God knows. I don't know. You don't know. There's nobody else on uh, in the world that knows. Okay. So, uh, right now it's up to 30,000, but who benefits, this is the question we should be asking ourselves, who benefits the most from this crash when the next bull cycle starts? Well, let's see. (laughs) Uh, BlackRock, Fidelity, they didn't want to get in at 70,000. They wanted to get in at 15,000. They wanted to get in at 20,000. So when it goes up to 100,000, they'll be up 5X. They'll be benefiting. You, you'll probably still be scared sitting on the sideline or waiting for it to still drop back down to 13,000. They won't. They don't care about that. They'll be buying. Now, could it drop to 13,000? Is it possible? Sure. Is it possible it could drop to 5000? Yes. Is it possible it could drop to $1? Yes. You have to understand everything is possible. Right? Aliens could come to the earth and destroy it tomorrow. That's possible but is it probable? No, (laughs) most likely there's, there's like almost no chance that aliens will come destroy the earth tomorrow, but it's possible, but there's, there's almost no chance, right? So instead of thinking about everything that's possible, you have to think about what is probable. You have to think about things in terms of probabilities. So is it possible for Bitcoin to go to thirteen thousand? Yes, is it probable not in my experience not or not in, not not in my base case it's not not, my, not what I'm thinking. So how do you play this? Well, think about it like this: Do you think that the largest asset manager in the world coming into Bitcoin um, will push the price up, or do you think the price will go back down now, if you think it's going to go back down, are you are you 10% sure? Are you 50% sure? Are you 90% sure? Let's say that you're 50%. I'm 50, 50. Let's just say I'm 50% sure it's going to come back lower, but there's a 50% chance, it, 50% chance it doesn't go lower. It could just keep going higher. Okay. Or it's 70, 30 or 30, 70 or 10, 90, whatever your number is. Think about this. What percentage chance do you think it's going to go down? And what percentage chance does it going to go up? And that's how you play it. So for example, for easy numbers sake, let's say I had $10,000 I wanted to put into Bitcoin. Well, there's a 50-50 chance that it goes down, 50-50 goes up. Okay, then what I'm going to do is of my 10,000, I'm going to take 50% of that or 5,000 and I will put that in now. And then the other 50%, I'm going to wait because I think it could go down. So I'll wait and I'll buy more if it goes down. Now, if I'm wrong, it doesn't go down. I have to buy at a higher price. That's the risk I'm going to take. And that's how you might want to play that. Another way to do it is through dollar cost average. You could put the 5000 down now and put the, the, the other 5000 You could put in $1,000 or $500 every two weeks, and you could average in. Now, a couple other ways you can do this is, of course, you can bu- go buy Bitcoin directly. And that's kind of what I'm advocating. That's what I'd recommend. Um, I'd recommend using a platform like Swan Bitcoin. Um, you can use a swan Bitcoin slash Mark Moss and uh, get $10 in free Bitcoin for using that. And you can set up an auto buy. So like every other week, it can just buy $100 and put it right in your cold cold storage. swanbitcoin.com slash Mark Moss get 10 bucks and set that up really easy. Render take self custody. That's how I recommend doing it. I recommend using a cold storage wallet, something like a Trezor, T-R-E-Z-O-R. Make it super easy. Now, if you don't want to buy it and take self custody, um, another way you could do it is maybe just buy MicroStrategy Stock. That's M-S-T-R. Now, MicroStrategy Stock is a tech company that's pretty much taken all of its entire value and put it into Bitcoin. Now it has three main advantages over buying MicroStrategy versus buying bitcoin directly. One, it's a it's a cash flowing generating business that you're buying. Um two, it doesn't charge any shareholder management fees like BlackRock will. And three, you're not giving BlackRock any more of your money. Don't give BlackRock your money. Take your money away from BlackRock. Um so those are a couple ways that you can play it. Now Oh, the other thing that I would hear, one, they're going to make it illegal. I think we're past that now at this point, um, Is but it's volatile. Well, currently, Bitcoin has been about as volatile as Google, Amazon, and even crude oil in the same time frames. As it stands right now, Bitcoin um, isn't really any more volatile than big cap tech stocks. So... You make up your mind. That's what you should be watching. That's how you can be playing it. But one way or another, in my opinion, the probability, not the possibility, but the probability of Bitcoin being made illegal has dropped significantly. And in my opinion, has a very low probability or slim chance of ever happening. So I'd be getting that Bitcoin position while you still can at the price you can. Now, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show, breaking down uh you know politics finance and technology talking about the combination of those three what i call the decentralized revolution i've been breaking down what happened with the bitcoin cryptocurrency um, ecosystem and what's happening with bitcoin if you missed it catch it out on the podcast just search the mark moss show follow me on uh twitter at one mark moss and that's what i got thanks so much for listening until next time infinity presents a new chapter in luxury
0: Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app.